Hello and welcome to the SpiceCast, the podcast where we talk about spices and spicy moments in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Ruben, and joining me this episode are two very special guests. Guest number one, would you please introduce yourself? Well, my name is David, and it's a pleasure to come on here. I'm a, kind of just a artistic survivor in a small city in the Midwest, United States. I've done uh, radio production, theater, film, somehow even ended up performing an opera once. I'm not quite sure how that happened. And uh, I also enjoy cooking in my spare time. So uh, I'm here to learn about the chili. Awesome. Well, happy to have you on. And you. Uh, guest number two, who are you? Hi, my name is Aaron. I am a sound designer for video games and a very avid uh, long distance runner. Awesome. Well, uh, longtime listeners of the Spice Cast will remember Aaron from episode five, Black Pepper. That was a really fun one. Um, I, that was probably one of the most fun tastings we had, and I'm so disappointed yeah. that we can't do remote tastings quite, <laughs> quite as easily. Um, but as David alluded to, uh, episode 14 of the Spice Cast, this one that you're listening to, is going to be focused on chili and uh, not necessarily the spice chili, but actually the the dish, chili con carne. Um, and some of you may be wondering, uh, why are you focusing on chili? That's not a spice. Uh, the spice cast is supposed to sp- focus on spices. Um, well, chili contains a lot of spices, including chili peppers. And for this second year of the Spice Cast, we are doing a special series on chili peppers and focusing on uh, various things that go along with with chilies. And uh, chilies are really integral, believe it or not, to the dish of chili. So uh, really happy to have these two guests on, uh, specifically because I think both of them have some experience with making chili uh and cooking chili for competitions so um aaron do you want to start by talking about your experience with chili sure um i don't know how long ago i started making chili it was sometime in college and i just kind of started really obsessing and experimenting with making my own chili um and eventually you know i'd research find all kinds of different recipes and try them out and um eventually i you know, felt like my recipe was good enough. So I started entering into, you know, some smaller like work, you know, office chili cook-offs and, and won a few of them. I've never, I've competed once in like a larger, like a regional um, chili cook-off and did not place, uh, but it was a really fun experience. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I've won a few of those kind of smaller things. Um, but, you know, since I kind of went towards a more plant-based diet, it's kind of put a hamper on, on entering chili competitions. <laughs> so, but you know, with, you know, vegetarian kind of entries that are starting to pop up now, maybe I'll get back into it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, congratulations on your, your wins and your, uh, your, um, your entry in the regional competition. That's right. awesome. Um, and David, do you have uh, a similar experience with chili, different experience? Oh, uh, I found I was in a chili competition because a friend invited me over uh, for a chili, uh, you know, for a little, I thought it was just like a chili meeting between him and his wife. No, it was the citywide chili comp- championship that was being held in his home, the uh, sly bastard. So uh, I did not know I was entering it. 
And I just brought one of my favorite homemade chilies to share with his wife. And actually, I had made it a uh, vegetarian chili because I knew she was uh, a, a pretty strict vegetarian. And uh, that ended up winning, actually, the city contest without me even knowing I was entering it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a city of 50,000 people, I'll, I'll take what I get. And, Must uh, have been a pretty good chili then. Uh, I, I guess it was. I mean, it was just my personal little favorite, which is a, it's kind of like a, a thing you just always tinker with. You have your standbys, and then you just mess with things based on what's around and, you know, what you feel like that day. And then the next year, now that I knew about it, I actually came back with intent to actually see how I do if I make a chili to actually compete. And I made actually a more curry-based chili, used a lot more like Indian uh, Asian spices, and uh, won that year also. Two-time so, champ, wow. Two-time champ. I've not been able to repeat that feat, but you know, hey, you still get to eat lots of great chili and hang out with cool people. So. Yeah. I'll, uh, and anytime you go to a chili competition, just eating well is a win. So, absolutely. So uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's uh, start with a definition of chili. What is chili? Um, so originally, uh, chili, uh, chili con carne, which is Spanish for chili with meat. Uh, for those of you who don't speak even a word of Spanish, um, that, uh, that stew uh, hails from somewhere near the Texas-Mexico border. Um, it's a spiced stew that always contains chili peppers and meat, and then also often contains a number of other ingredients. Um, some common additional ingredients include chili powder, uh, especially in the U.S., that's a very common ingredient. Um, tomatoes, beans, garlic, onions, and cumin. Um, do either of you have uh, favorite additional ingredients to add into your chili um, that are apart from those common ones? Uh, yeah, I can go. Um, I think for... Now, are you, are you talking about maybe just like something that you kind of whip up at home and don't really, you know, necessarily for a competition kind of thing? Yeah, I think the competitions are a lot more strict about what you can add and can't add, right? Yeah, they are. Um, I've, uh, what is it? So this might not be restricted from competitions, but I actually learned this trick um, of using the uh, chipotle peppers in adobo sauce for like oh. a quick a quick home chili. Mm -hmm. um, that is pretty fantastic. And then the other thing that I've used before, and both of these are from um, Minimalist Baker. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's very prominent kind of a online recipe um, person. And yeah. uh, she puts um, butternut squash in her chili or in one of her particular recipes. And I was like, oh, that seems real strange, but it's pretty good actually. And it adds a bit more um, I guess nutritional depth and like, you know, dimension to like, you know, something that you would just eat at home. Like I, I feel like very often chili by itself can be a bit like if I'm just eating chili, like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's not quite enough in terms of like a meal. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I, I felt like the butternut squash and she would also put like some Tuscan kale in there. And I was like, Oh, you know, like this, is not how I would normally make chili, and it's pretty good. So, I mean, there's a few little tricks that I picked up from from her. Nice. 
I have to agree with like the uh, the chipotle and adobe sauce, adobo sauce. Sorry, that's just a a great quick way of getting a lot of flavor. You don't need to use if you buy it, you know, buy it in the store. You don't need to use the whole can. You know, one or mm. two chipotles is. Yeah, they're pretty strong. Uh, if, and if you don't know, by the way, might as well cover this. A chipotle pepper is actually just a uh, a roasted jalapeno. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could make your own uh, chipotle if you feel the creating. You, know, you decide how if you wanted to extra how set the roasting, I guess, if you wanted to. Yeah, I actually, um, I recently discovered uh, the grocery store that we go to. They actually carry just the the sauce. So it's like the chipotle adobo sauce. And then they also have a um, smoked wahio sauce. So it's like similar to chipotle, but instead of nice. you know the jalapeno, it's uh, wahio peppers. And I actually recently used it um, making some, um, you know, kind of like a taco filling. It's really good. And, you know, you didn't have to put the peppers in there. It's just kind of like that smoked pepper sauce. It's really good. Yeah, it's always hard to get um, smoky flavors into your home cooking without doing something like that. Um, and I feel like that, that's a really great way of, uh, bringing that like outdoor campfire chili sort of taste to your, to your homemade chili. Yeah. And I know some people have feelings about smokiness in chili, but I think it can be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it is fairly authentic. I think we'll get into the history a little bit, uh, later, but they were certainly cooking outside over fires. And, uh, so you would have gotten some of that smoky flavor. Mm. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. And also, uh, cumin is like, I don't think I've ever left cumin out of any chili I make, but I like the Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you really have to have Mm. cumin for any, um, like Tex-Mex dish pretty much. That's a really good one. Um, so there are tons and tons and tons of variations on chili, uh, different meats, no meat, no beans, no tomatoes, so many other variations. We'll get into a few of the more common ones uh, in just a minute. Uh, I just wanted to mention that many different types of beans have been associated with chili since the early 1900s, but some chili purists do not allow beans Uh, Some don't even allow tomatoes in their chili. Um, The Chili Appreciation Society International, which is the, is is that the the, um, group that ran the competition that you participated in, Aaron? No, it was actually the International Chili Society. Okay. All right. So, so a different group, Mm -hmm. but the, the, the Chili Appreciation Society um, does not allow beans in their competition chilies. Uh, and I, and they run uh, a majority of the the biggest competitions, I believe, in the world. Uh, they also don't allow marinated meats, which I thought was interesting. I've never thought to marinate my meat in my chili, but I, I guess it's against the rules. Yeah. I um, International Chili Society, they, I think they had very similar rules as well, where, okay. you know, you couldn't have beans in it, except for, so they had like the home style entry, um, which pretty much anything goes. It's like, you know, your homemade recipe. And basically it was just kind of like the people that were attending the, it was like a larger event. It was like Clarendon day or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the people who walked by could like donate money to the chili that they thought was the best. And then, you know, that the the person who brought in the most dollars (laughs) was the one who won the home style for, for that event. Cool. Yeah. 
On the topic of beans or no beans, there's even a song by uh, William Clark Green, um, who is a, uh, a Texan sing- singer-songwriter, and it's called Don't Put No Beans in My Chili, which I think is the, the general feeling among uh, many Texans, at least. I don't know about all of them. Uh, there's a, you know, I used to do some uh, jazz and uh, jazz production and uh, shows on public radio and there's actually a lot of songs about chili 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 beans and uh kind of related foods hot tamales especially you know back in 1920s in jazz mm-hmm. so uh that is uh mr green there's just a part of a very uh happy bit of uh jazz history people celebrating their food yeah long tradition absolutely the original like jazz bands as we understand it, like the scene that du- uh, Duke Ellington, the scene that uh, Louis Armstrong grew out of, like uh, in the streets of New Orleans, uh, the jazz musicians basically were like, well, they're kind of like uh, competition for popularity amongst the various criminal gangs who ran the uh, gambling houses and the whorehouses down there in Louisiana. They would have different bands in front of them to attract the visitors and the people to their corner of the area and so being able to practice and you know being able to improvise the music there and also celebrate the food at those places uh was an important part of an early proto jazz bands ensemble so no proof on this but maybe that's where some of the uh old standards dealing with so much food came up from i think that's a pretty good theory um so chili is commonly served with or over rice or pasta, um, commonly also with cornbread perhaps on the side. Uh, and uh, a, a lot of these toppings are often used, uh, grated cheese, chopped onions, sour cream, sliced green chilies, uh, a number of others. So do either of you have favorite toppings, sides, accompaniments to your chili? I like, uh, it depends kind of what the chili is. For my own homemade stuff, actually, I guess, well, because I make it for myself or, or friends, I just like it as it is because, you know, it's made to my specifications. But like when I am out in the town, there's this particular uh, a locally owned uh, kind of restaurant bar, and they have my favorite chili to order in town because it's just so nice and consistent. I've never got a bad bowl there. It's just, it's always fresh, it's always hot. It's just good and solid, and theirs is particularly delicious with, uh, I probably put far too many uh, saltine crackers crumbled on top along with mm-hmm. but I find that to be super delicious, and so like when I'm out on the town for that thing, I have to have that with that chili, it just matches it so well. Yeah, there was actually a story I read about um, a chili in the early 1900s where uh, they sold it out of the back of a, a wagon. Or, and it was five cents a bowl, I believe, and you got all the saltine crackers you could eat for free. So <laughs> I think that's a that's a long-standing accompaniment to chili. Yeah, for me, my preference for you know accompaniment comes from just kind of what I grew up with, which is cornbread. Um, mm-hmm. I actually you know learned a trick from uh, a chef at a restaurant I used to work at a long time ago where he would make his cornbread and then he would kind of break it up after it was done and then put it back on the baking sheet and put it in the oven kind of like at like a lower temperature and dehydrate it. So it turned into cornbread croutons. 
And I've mm. found that that has been, you know, absolutely awesome on top of chili because like the one thing kind of like element, um, like experiential element, I guess that's missing from chili often is like a crunchiness, which is why, you know, often you'll get like Fritos and stuff like that. Um, but I, I really enjoy cornbread. So it's kind of like a nice little way to get that cornbread flavor, um, and a little bit of crunch in there. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So, um, canned chili, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about canned chili. It is common in the United States, and it's also sold around the world. Um, you can buy canned chili with or without beans. Um, and I just wanted to mention that a little-known fact that uh, With or Without Beans was actually a U2 song, uh, or the working title of the song that they uh, they scrapped at the last minute, and they instead went with With or Without You, which I think is a much worse title. Um <laughs> Do you have any particular affinity for canned chili? Are, have there been any canned chilies that you like or hate or any stories related to that? Mm. Have you ever eaten canned chili? No. <laughs> I have. I, 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 I'm usually fearless in the you know, experimental stuff, at least. Uh, kind of the same way that, like, you know, the canned chipotles and adobo sauce work perfectly well. I was thinking maybe, maybe I can pick up something from these. I've not been impressed with any of the canned chilies. I've found some to be perfectly, you know, if you're hungry and don't feel like making something, they're perfectly suitable for that. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I'd rather have that than a, a, a frozen dinner, perhaps. But considering that chili is easy to make, at least, but for me, a bit, you know, it's time, it's time consuming, but easy in, you know, task, I guess. Uh, it's really not not much of an incentive for me to buy canned chili often. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton of experience with it myself, and I have similar impressions to you that I haven't found one that's special. Um, perhaps when those companies started, they had something special in their recipes. Um, I know uh, Wolf's is very famous uh, coming out of Texas, uh, but you know I, I don't have any experience uh, with it being better than homemade stuff. All right, so um, I just wanted to take a quick aside to talk about chili powder. Uh, I know there are some strong feelings on the call about chili powder. Um, so powdered chili peppers are used in cuisines all over the world, from Korea to India to the United States. Um, but what is often labeled in the U.S. as chili powder, uh, it's usually um, a blend uh, of dried pulverized chilies, uh, which are usually or often cayenne chilies, um, onion, garlic, cumin, and salt. And so uh, it's not really pure chili powder as people in uh, most of the rest of the world would think of it. Um, and of course, chili powder is often used as the spice base of chili, uh, the dish. It, it used to be a just uh it used to be at least I, I haven't checked in this in a while but there was actually a is it, was it the usda or fda whatever was responsible for u.s food rules and like labeling mm -hmm. uh chili powder that ends in e so you know c-h-i-l-e that was had to be 100 percent just dried ground chilies the chili powder I... ending with an i included the other stuff you know the chilies garlic powder salt oregano whatever 
Yeah, I believe that's true. It it's tough though because people spell chili in yeah. all different ways. Supposedly, that's the way you're supposed to be able to distinguish it. So maybe that will work if our listeners are in the supermarket and just yeah. I didn't. I think know that's that. a good tip. So that's good to know. <laughs> but um, Aaron, we've talked about this before, uh, just outside of the podcast. I think you have some pretty strong opinions on chili powder. Would you mind sharing some of those? Um, well, it's not. I mean, in terms of chili powders, um, so like I've a, a pretty big way that I've, or my, you know, some, a technique that I really enjoyed, I learned about and really enjoyed using was taking the whole dried chilies and kind of like roasting them in the oven and then, you know, um, soaking them in some water and then pureeing them in a blender with some other mm-hmm. spices. Um, that creates this like really rich, deep flavorful sauce. Um, which I kind of enjoyed doing rather than just using dried powders. Um, and, you know, I kind of try to use about three different kinds. I kind of do a uh, kind of like a, a a base of kind of like a milder chili powder or chili. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, not mulatto, um, but there's like a particular one. Trying to think. Hold on. Give me one second. I have it here. Uh, Ancho chili. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of like do like a, a a base that's kind of like a deeper and fruitier, and then you know have some wahios in the in like the mid range, kind of like a mid uh, temperature kind of chili, and then maybe like a little bit of like a really spicy one. Um, but when I found myself preparing for competition, um, I found that um, getting good quality. Um, fairly freshly ground spices produced a better and more consistent sauce mm-hmm. than using the whole chilies because you, because the whole chilies are there and they kind of have like, um, uh, you know, that the skin is still there in a, in a kind of like a, a, a whole fashion. So like blending that down, you, you would still, you get those little flecks and kind of like, uh, inconsistencies in terms of like how it kind of rendered into a sauce. So I, if I'm like being super serious about it and like, I want, to, you know, put my full effort in, like, I'm going to go online and, you know, find this, this spice shop that, you know, freshly grinds their chili powders. And then I'm going to order the ones that I want from there and use those. But otherwise, you know, I'll use like a combination of, um, you know, like if I'm looking to have some fun with it and just kind of make something for the home, then, you know, I might go out and buy some of those dried chilies, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of work with that. And David, do you have any, uh, favorite chili powders uh favorite chilies to use for chili uh i don't know i uh usually for for me at least uh again i, I live in a fifty thousand person uh city town whatever you call that in the midwest so sometimes it's tough finding uh fresh chilies to make your own powder so i, I usually try to get you can get some local stuff at the farmer's markets i can whip up my own as aaron said or if there's a few I would buy from it, but I don't have any particular bland I find myself going back to. Um, often I would just kind of use what's left over from whatever I'm chopping up for the actual chili I'm working on to flavor it. Or I just have a mixture of the, oh, probably, uh, I like the adobo, oh, not adobo, what is it? The one he mentioned, the uh, poblano, the ancho. Yeah, the ancho. California chili is also one of my favorites. Yeah, the uh, New Mexico, um, those are really good. Oh, if I could get those consistently, I would love that. Uh, you can get the whole ones in most grocery stores, or at least 
near me that I've been able to find. Like e- either they have Wahio or New Mexican Hot. Um, usually they have one of those two, and I feel like they're fairly similar in like flavor for uh, flavor profile and like heat. Mm-hmm. I found some dried ones, but I haven't been able to find fresh ones consistently. Oh, fresh ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Fresh ones certainly are difficult if you're not in the area where they can grow. Yeah. As for like, you know, the super hot chilies, you know, scotch bonnet, ghost pepper, whatever. uh, A little of those go a long way. It's it's a fun stunt to have super hot chili, but (laughs) but when the heat detracts, when the whole purpose of the meal is just to have heat, just... For me, it's, it's not food. It's a cool stunt, maybe, you know, to show off or to have fun with, you know, during someone's birthday party or something. But yeah. well, actually, not, not something uh, like, but. actually, last episode of the Spice Cast, we focused on super hot peppers. Sweet. Um, and no, not sweet. Very spicy. <laughs> um, and we did taste some ghost pepper chips that uh, were really actually highly recommended by all the people who ate them. So if you can find that proper balance of super spicy and super flavorful, I, I think it's a really difficult art to master, but I, agree. I think that is uh, a really amazing place to be with your chili. Um, when I was, when I was tasting chilies at the, the local competition um, where I grew up, um, not as a, not as a judge or anything, I just went to taste them all. Um, I, there was this dragon's breath chili um, that used uh, some kind of really hot pepper. It mu- must have been a, a hotter than a habanero or some, something like that. Um, but it had that uh, really great um, fruity, peppery flavor like that. And that was one of my favorite chilies that I tasted that day. Yeah, I bought some, well, like a couple years ago, I bought, I, I, I like bulk purchased a bunch of different spices when I was like really deep in the chili making business like i was making it like every other week um and i got some dried habanero powder and some ghost pepper powder and i still have them like all the other chilies i've used but like even just half a teaspoon of these things uh were really were really overpowering um like you would open up like the ghost pepper thing and just like smell it and you know your nose would start running <laughs> so mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't really get a whole lot of tra- um you know a lot of use uh because it, it, you really do i think have to strike that balance and especially when you're cooking for other folks um you know i used to be able to deal with the spicy things more like years ago but even now i'm just like i don't i don't need to be punched in the face w- with every bite you know <laughs> I yeah, do. I have, a, I have an old friend who actually makes a wonderful, uh, like, uh, chili. When he he only uses ghost peppers. Oh wow! Wow. And he has managed to make a pretty. I mean, it's definitely going to be hot, but he's managed to still keep the flavor. But I've also been to people's places or at a restaurant. People either super hot chili, and it's it's just pain. And I'm they're like, just dumping capsaicin oil yeah, in there. Yeah, like, it's like <laughs> you know, I don't. This is not fun. I want to eat and enjoy the food. So yeah. it's it's. It's something I think if you're interested in that sort of stuff, by all means, experiment, get a whole bunch of different chilies. Just be aware, especially if other people are eating it, how much different chilies react to each other. Like as much as I love very hot chilies and I do like one habanero in my mix usually will overpower any number of, you know, poblanos and so on. Yeah. So you you have to like be careful with your mixtures. If you want to like just have a hint, of habanero it takes a bit of of uh 
experimentation and you know, of course then eating the chili to find the right mix so yeah i really like my approach with with making chili in terms of how hot i make it is ideally when you get through a, a full like decent sized bowl like you should you know you should feel the heat in your mouth but that shouldn't be like there like within the first couple it's like after you've kind of worked through an entire bowl you kind of have like that residual heat left over um where that's where i kind of feel like you i i kind of hit the mark is like I've, i haven't like overdone it um with the spices. It's a tough balance yeah especially depending on how big of a bowl you like to eat yeah <laughs> and how many saltines you have put enough of it yeah that's true yeah all right, so let's move into the most important parts of chili to each of us. So, um, David, if I could ask you to go first, uh, what makes a great chili great for you? I think it's just there in the name. What what sort of chili peppers did you pick, and how are you using them? Everything else to me is negotiable. Can you bring a big pot of chili? Probably it's something else, just a pure, you know, just a, a bowl of cooked chili is probably a bit too much, but whatever it is you're mixing to it, they should be the star of the show, not the meat, if there, if there is any, not beans and so on. Uh, it should be, how did you, what, what flavors did you want to bring out? What sort of chilies do you want to use? Every time, you know, I taste chili and I'm just evaluating it for myself, I've never been honored enough, I guess, to be a chili judge, but that's fine. I'm just thinking, how good is the chili? The rest of it's important too, but if you're gonna call it chili, I'm mainly concerned like what sort of uh, peppers did you use, and mm -hmm. how well how well do they come across? I want to taste the peppers flavoring the meat, the beans, the potatoes, whatever it is you add to it. And as long as you're doing that, then I'm probably gonna be pretty happy with your chili as long as it, you know as a good, as long as the peppers are treated with respect and they are the main flavor idea not the hotness necessarily not the burning sensation but does the flavor come across whatever it is you're trying to do whether it's a hot chili a mild chili whatever how you handle the chilies for me is the most important thing that makes sense to me aaron agree disagree uh yeah i mean that's definitely i definitely agree with that um in addition to that i would think that the consistency of the sauce is important like you know cooking cooking the chili to just the right amount where it's not too thick and it's not too soupy. Um, and then the ratio of whatever ingredients you end up, you do end up using. If you put lots of fresh pepper in there, if you put, you know, beans, meat, like whatever it is, there should be a, a good balance of ratio of the ingredients. And then of course, just like balance of flavor profiles, which I think kind of goes back to, you know, talking about, um, what David was saying about the choosing the right chilies and, and how are you using them? And then also kind of like, how, are you mixing in like saltiness and sweetness and, you know, all these other profiles in there? Are they all nice and balanced? I don't want the chili to be too sweet or too salty or anything like that. So it, I, I think good chili is typically has a good balance and, you know, with heat as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for, for me, um, I think there's something about, well, this is going to be a little bit of a, of a cliche coming from the creator uh, uh, and host of the spice cast. But I think the, the other spices that you use in chili are also really important. I mean, getting a good cumin flavor is 
is crucial to me in terms of making a good chili. And that might be sacrilegious to some people who don't include cumin in their chili, but um, I think that is a, a really powerful uh, ingredient in, in most good chilies. Um, not necessarily all, but uh, additionally, I've had some really great chilies that include um, cinnamon or clove oh. flavor just for a more depth, more uh, sort of taste sensation in your mouth and i think cinnamon that's one of my favorites to add chili also i think i mean i think it goes back to what you both were saying with the balance of flavors getting everything right i I think that's the the that the spices are key in that as well yeah and i um i'm i'm pretty big on using coriander as well in my chili um usually it's like maybe whatever amount of cumin i put in i usually put about half in mm-hmm. terms of coriander, I've never really experimented with cinnamon. It, it frightens me because I know, <laughs> I know that it can. I feel like it could very easily go wrong with with something it like cinnamon could, yeah. or clove or nutmeg. Um, I have used allspice and clove before, um, but I, you know, I'm, I used to make really really complicated chilies, um, and like to the point where I it was like an all day event. Like I was making, I was buying fresh tomatoes and like steaming them, peeling on myself, removing the seeds, pureeing my own tomato sauce. So ridiculous. Um, but I got to a point where I was like, you know, I feel like chili is better when it's, when like less is more and mm-hmm. you're, what you're choosing to use, you know, shines through and it's not just kind of like this amalgamation of like three or four different kinds of beans, two different kinds of meats, you know, like all these different things. I. I think it's better, at least I, I enjoy it where you kind of have like, you, you try to balance that where you have just enough variety, but not kind of go out the window with it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, so let's take a quick break and then we will jump into dishes that are made with chili. about dishes that are made with chili. Um, these are not dishes that are made with chilies. Uh, that would be a much larger list, but this is these are just a few of the, the common uh, uses for, for chili. All right, so chili dogs and chili burgers and chili fries are exactly what they sound like. Hot dogs, hamburgers, french fries topped with chili. Um, Usually that chili does not contain beans. It's just sort of a, a meat tomato sauce. Um, but it is spiced similarly to the, the chili that you would find um, in any of any one of your chili parlors, uh, chili restaurants. In terms of uh, chili cheese fries, it's the same. Just add some cheese. Um, chili mac. This is uh, pasta, often elbow macaroni topped with chili. Um, the, uh, that dish is common in the U.S. military. It's a staple of MREs, um, and so I think a lot of uh, a lot of people who have connections to the military have either very positive or negative feelings about chili mac. Um, I don't I don't personally have any uh, strong feelings about it, but I, I do appreciate a good plate of chili mac upon occasion. Um, 
Frito Pie is uh, a a great a great invention of the uh, I believe of the of the state fairs of um, Texas and those areas. Uh, you take a bag of Fritos corn chips um, and you top them with chili, uh, often green onions, sour cream, cheese, any kinds of other toppings you want. And uh, I think similar to the saltines or cornbread croutons that you both were talking about earlier, I think that gives a, a crunch, uh, extra salt, um, and I think that's a really uh, outstanding way of serving chili. Mm-hmm. Um, I especially love it when Frito pie is served in the original bag of the Fritos. I've never had the pleasure of having a Frito pie, unfortunately. Sure. You should absolutely rectify that. Yes, the whole thing. It's like, oh. What was I, that? Sorry. It, says, it sounds like adding so much extra mass to the whole experience. It's like, oh, and now there's a very thin... There's a very thin aluminum shield between the meat <laughs> and your clothes being horribly stained by cheap chili and The chili couldn't be too hot either. Otherwise, it like, I mean, maybe, I, I, I just don't know. I imagine if you're just holding your bowl of chili. Yeah, the industrial strength, uh, you know, mundanity of the Fritos helps hold back the heat of the chili, so I'm not sure. I think I've only had it once, um, but it, it was a real joy. It was nice and warm. Uh, it did not melt the bag, and uh, those Fritos were salty. The chili was also salty. The whole thing was just a oh, just a, um, a bundle of salt, um, and it was very tasty. And then, then they lead you straight to the drinks, the drink tent, mm. and the drink tent's that way, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, um, what is it? Chili cheese dogs have a special place in my heart, especially particularly. 7-Eleven chili cheese dogs. Wow. Back in my college days, you know, going out and drinking and partying, 7-Eleven's always open. And they've always got chili cheese dogs ready to go. Um, they, they sure do. <laughs> they are certainly not the best food in the world, but when you're, you know, been drinking and it's 2, 3 in the morning, they are delicious. <laughs> I will probably I believe eat, that. I will never eat them again. <laughs> the category of canned chili here, I think, applies to those. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, are either of you familiar? This is one I, I wasn't familiar with. Are either of you familiar with a chili size? No. No. You got me. So that that one is a ground beef patty with no bun, topped with chili and cheese. Um. I mean, it's not so different from any of the others that we were talking about, but uh, it is a it has a different name. It is a different dish, um, and I don't know where you can get a chili size, but I'd like to try one. Sure, you could just make one, right? I, I think I probably could, but you know, <laughs> gotta try the, the gotta try the authentic right. uh, restaurant version first, right? Yeah, it should be easy enough to, to make the hamburger at home and then forget the bun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can certainly do that. Um, any other favorite dishes made with chili that uh, stand out to either of you? Um, there's a uh, one of the more experimental uh, restaurants, I guess, in our small city here uh, has 
a unique uh, fusion, I guess. It's like this layered, it's a gigantic bowl, far too much for one seating, but it alternates with uh, a really good uh, grits with kind of a uh, shrimp-based chili. Mmm, that sounds delicious. Alternating layers. And then, like, a number of... How many layers? Large uh, hippopotami-sized slabs of butter on the top. Mm. Slowly circle around their doom. How many layers are we talking? Four or five? It's a big bowl. It's probably close to, like, half gallon, is it? It's like a chili parfait. Uh, it's, It's tasty. It's good. Sounds great, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything, like, unusual with chili that I've had. Yeah, I got I got nothing. If I once inspired by one of my old girlfriends, um we were trying to make a uh, a chili to actually put on top of some pasta. And uh, she had purchased a whole bunch of avocados. And I think she thought she was supposed to buy something else and she accidentally bought avocados and she was so upset, she just cut them all up and threw them on top of the chili. Mm-hmm. And these were avocados, like straight out of the coolers. They're very cool avocados, and she liked her chili particularly hot. And again, I don't mind hot chili if it's you know, as well as spiced. And she made extremely good chili. And so I had basically these very cold avocado slices on top of this really spicy uh, red green chili that we made on top of pretty good pasta. And that was a really interesting sensation because the uh, avocado was just so cool and smooth, and it cut through all the heat. Yeah, I've I've recently been a big fan of, of putting avocado on chili instead of something like sour cream. Yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. Uh, that sounds lovely and a, a great way to get that fat in possibly a more healthy <laughs> manner. Yeah. Uh, and that creaminess, smoothness. So uh, let's move into some common variations on chili itself. So uh, not dishes that you can prepare with chili, um, but some some common uh, different styles of chili. So we've already mentioned Texas chili, um, which is perhaps the purest form of the dish, if you uh, care about that sort of thing. Um, It includes no beans, no tomatoes. Um, Primarily, it is just chilies and meat um, and it is known in some locations especially um, down in texas as a bowl of red uh, which was not a term that i was familiar with but uh, i think that's a pretty awesome colloquialism yeah the um you know like the bowl of red um, so like when i was getting into like making competition stuff i started researching like into like you know the world championships which were you know Mm -hmm. just in the u.s but uh i think it was the ics uh international chili society where um they the winner every year so the way it worked is like you you had to win a regional uh, competition and then you are automatically invited to the you know national event right and um i for the national event whoever won they actually published the recipe of the winner, which I, first of all, I thought was wild. Like I, I know people are like very like secretive about their chili recipes or very often can be. Um, I'm, I'm not so much. Um, but they, um, like, so I looked up some of these recipes and I was just like, this is just not what I like about chili. And like, I don't know if I could ever 
like pursue this seriously because it's like literally like meat and like chili powders and like most of the folks that were winners were like not there was no like actual fresh onion in there it was like all powders wow it was like and you know there's like uh what's it called like kind of like those go some some folks would use those um goya packets of seasonings yeah um, like bull- bullion powder yeah yeah and it had like you know it's loaded with msg and all kinds of flavor and the way somebody described it to me is is that when you're entering it, when you're in a competition like this, most of the judges are not, they're not sitting there and eating a bowl of chili, right? They are getting one or two bites of your chili and you have right. to pack as much flavor as you possibly can into those one or two bites. And that's why those folks have such, you know, high spice, like high spice and just like as much you know, salt, like whatever flavor they're trying to go for, they're just trying to pack it all in. And I was just like, this just doesn't seem appealing to me, <laughs> at least from like a personal enjoyment, because like I, I couldn't enjoy eating a chili like that at home. Right. Um, but that's just something, you know, in terms of talking about the bowl of red, like I, I had never really gravitated too much towards like the traditional style of chili. I kind of, you know, gravitate more towards like the home style um, approach. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So, um, vegetarian chili, uh, that's something that you've had some more experience with lately, Aaron, I think as well. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't experimented with it too much. I, um, (laughs) I did recently when my works, I guess it was last year, uh, my works chili competition, but so they had two entries. They had you know, like regular chili and then like vegetarian chili. And I won the vegetarian, vegetarian, um, entry, but there was only one other person. <laughs> um, you didn't have to tell us that. It's okay. It's, <laughs> I mean, their chili was delicious too. Um, but so it's like somebody had to win. Um, yeah, but yeah, like I haven't, I haven't done too much. Like most of my like approach has stayed the same. I just have more beans now. Um, and typically isn't, gr- isn't that just life uh, your approach stays the same but you have more be- more and more beans <laughs> as time goes on <laughs> yes i i guess that is very true um but yeah the not too much has changed in terms of how i how i create like i've experimented with using different kinds of lentils um mm-hmm. to kind of get a, a variety of i guess texture um but yeah, I mean, I mostly gravitate towards, you know, dark red kidney beans, you know, maybe I'll put some black beans in there. Um, but yeah, I haven't really done too much in terms of like white chilies or green chilies. Cause I know you can, you can do those in, in terms of vegetarian as well. Um, most of my experience has been with, uh, with red chilies. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, just mention my favorite vegetarian chili, and then we will get straight into white chili. Um, <laughs> So my favorite vegeta- vegetarian chili that I have ever had and or made um, is the Cabbage Town cashew chili from the Cabbage Town restaurant. Uh, it was published in a cookbook. You can find it online by Googling those words, Cabbage Town cashew chili. Um, and the cashews in the chili uh, are put in about uh, five or 10 minutes before the chili is done cooking. And so there's this really awesome um, texture that they get where they're slightly softened, uh, but still retain some of their crunchiness. 
And with that, I don't think you really even need saltines or Fritos or anything like that with your chili because the the cashews just bring um, that perfect crunch. Uh, but not, it's not like uh, too crunchy. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, one of my favorites to make, especially if I'm cooking for somebody who doesn't eat meat. Yeah, nice. I know you sent me that recipe. I, I still have not. I have not gotten into the chili making season mentality quite yet for this year, but no worries. Definitely have that on my uh, to do list. Yeah, it's a it's a good one, and I mean you can play around with it to your liking. I, I think it would be great with um, butternut squash, like you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I think it would be great to combine those two um, yeah, nice. as well. So uh, white chili is made with white meat. Um, chicken or turkey, uh, also white beans often, and green chili peppers. So the whole thing has a very uh, light color, um, unlike the traditional bowl of red, certainly. Um, Either of you uh, have any uh, white chili stories, enjoyment, anything like that? Never never made it, uh, but... There's a, another place in my town here that actually makes a really good uh, turkey white chili. And I'm like, so that's often a go-to meal for me if I just need lunch. For me, I think it's it's kind of um, nice to have a little bit of a, a lighter meat um, if I am having meat chili. Uh, and so that's a, it's a, it's a great alternative if you're, if you're I, thinking I, about it that hey, way. When I choose my own meat, I often go for lamb for my uh-huh. Wow. I, yeah. I enjoy the uh I, I enjoy the you know, the kind of richer texture of lamb compared to beef. I also don't think personally that Americans eat enough lamb as a a delicious meal. Uh as always, if this is for people who aren't, you know, if you're new and listening in, you probably want to brown up the meat before you add it to the chili preparations. Mm-hmm. That's going to add a lot of caramelization, going to add a lot of flavor to the meat. But uh, lamb is my favorite. I often just like, you know, I'll have, you know, onions, potatoes, the chili, the base, and then like, I don't know, two pounds of lamb. And there's my giant pot that sits like for a day and a half overnight in the fridge to cool and coalesce into a mighty bowl of power and then serve it out uh, over many days and enjoy it. Yeah. And and speaking of alternative meats um, to beef, I think uh, venison, uh, one of the original meats used for chili, is uh, a great one if you can get your hands on it, mm-hmm. as well as uh, bison, I think, does really well. It's a much leaner meat, and so it, it doesn't lead to as oily or fatty a chili, um, and so that, that is, but it still has a, a really great flavor um, if you're able to get your hands on one of those specialty meats. I, I think they can work really well. And I've had camel chili, and that was, that was delicious. Mm. Oh yeah, yes. Where did you get that? Uh, one of the, once again, uh, one of the restaurants here in town actually has a inn with some with a camel meat processor in Australia. Or wow, they did in the before times, before uh, before the dark ages fell upon us. Yeah, we'll see what happens <laughs> afterward. But uh, hopefully, hopefully they they're still doing well, and you know, we'll get access to that uh, once society opens back up again. It, sure. It, uh, the camel to me was just kind of like a really kind of. I, it was it was tasty. It was very smooth. I found it very smooth. That may just be in the preparation. I myself have never worked with it. I could not find the meat myself, but uh, mm. I, I gave it a thumbs up. 
Yeah, I would, um, in, since we're on like the alternative meats category, um, at least with, um, I noticed that the quality, like back when I used to use like beef in my chili, um, I would, I started to, I switched it up and started using short rib or I think it was mm. like chuck instead of, you know, like ground beef or right. um, some other standard cuts. The all time best cut in my experience of beef uh, was the tri-tip. Um, as far as I understand, in terms of competition, most folks use tri-tip for competition level chilies. I think it's just something about, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a leaner cut of meat. Um, and it, it really holds up well to stewing. Like it doesn't kind of, you know, short rib can kind of start to break apart. Yeah. Um, and it kind of turns into like shredded beef as opposed to, which, I mean, it's still delicious, but if you're going for chunks of beef, like the, the tri-tip would really, it was leaner. It held up to stewing for a few hours really well. The only problem is, is there's only two of those on the whole cow. So right. they're really expensive, like two pounds of it. Like the one time I did, it was like two pounds roughly. And it was like 45, 50 bucks. So it's an investment. <laughs> Maybe once in a great while, if you really like chili, that's a that's a treat for yourself. Yeah. Um, so one meat we haven't talked about at all is pork, um, and mm. pork is featured in chili verde, so green chili. Um, that that dish uh, originated in New Mexico, and it also includes uh, heavy heavy proportions of garlic. Uh, green tomatillos and roasted green chili peppers, specifically New Mexico roasted green chili peppers. And um, those can be hard to find. Uh, There is, there are sources for uh, ground New Mexico chili peppers. uh, If you are looking to make um, chili verde. So those are generally accessible in uh, some grocery stores as well as online. Um, But uh, that's a, that's a really uh, awesome variation, in my opinion. I think green chili is uh, one of the more delicious things you can put on pretty much anything, and they do pr- put it on pretty much anything yeah. in uh, New Mexico, Colorado, that area. There's yeah. One also. Yeah. There's um, in talking about a vegetarian one. There's uh, this um, small mom and pop restaurant in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia called mm-hmm. um, Kelly Farm Kitchen and they have a ch- uh, like a, a vegan chili verde that was really good uh, before that I had never I don't think I had ever really had a uh, chili verde or at least never eaten it to the point where I had like a full bowl maybe it was just a tasting um, but yeah um, chili verde could be very good yeah love love chili verde um, and then one variation that's not really chili um, but but it's called chili, so we're going to cover it anyway. We're going to mention it. Um, Cincinnati chili. Uh, either of you familiar uh, with Cincinnati chili? Um, at a restaurant that I worked at, one of the uh, line cooks was a fanatic about Cincinnati chili. And he like just went on about it with me because when we were talking about chili at one point, and it, it, it sounds so like foreign to me, and I've never had the chance to have it. Uh, but like his like... Like his passion for Cincinnati chili, I was just like, "This is crazy." <laughs> I think I think that might be a trend among yeah. people who really like Cincinnati chili because I I wanted to shout out my former coworker Melanie, um, 
who introduced me to Cincinnati chili and she's she's actually from Cincinnati uh, originally and so she she gave me all the details of how it's made and all the different ways you can order it which we'll we'll cover in a moment but uh, it's just awesome to see um, people so excited about uh, a particular regional food I mean it's it's kind of unusual um, to to see that but uh, Cincinnati chili is uh, something that gets people excited. So uh, it was first developed in Cincinnati um, by Greek uh, Macedonian immigrants. Um, like I said, it's not really related to chili at all. It's essentially a meat sauce with tomato paste, um, and it's generally spiced with cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, clove, cumin, chili powder, and bay leaf, um, and sometimes uh, people who make Cincinnati chili add chocolate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of an interesting uh, depth of flavor. Um, I think the 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 most fascinating thing to me about Cincinnati chili uh, it's is the ordering system that was developed uh, in one of the original kitchens making Cincinnati chili in order to save time uh, during ordering. So a two-way is chili over spaghetti. A three-way is chili over spaghetti topped with cheddar cheese. A four-way is chili over spaghetti topped with cheddar cheese and either white onion, chopped white onion, or kidney beans. So you can order a a four-way onion or a four-way bean. Um, And then a five-way, you just add both chopped white onion and kidney beans. Um, I, I just think that's really, really cool. What's the one way? Uh, there, is, there is no one way. Um, oh. I guess it would since, just be a since bowl it, of chili. Yeah, yeah, Cincinnati Cincinnati chili is not served generally in bowls or cups. And if you order it just by itself, uh, the owner of the restaurant is probably going to get angry at you. <laughs> so uh, definitely at least order a two-way if you're going for Cincinnati chili. I, I would recommend at least a three-way um, because uh, that is the the classic um, chili over spaghetti with cheese on top. Um, and I think that's the most popular order in a, a lot of restaurants. Yeah, and the other, I think one of the other uh, aspects of um, the Cincinnati style is that the meat is like super finely ground. That's like right. Really finely ground. So it's it really is like, a meat sauce like i don't know how to describe it or picture it, but yeah like i mean yeah it's very different from like how other folks would approach their meat usually it's like chunks or larger pieces and the spice is very different than what you would expect from chili so don't go into it expecting a a, a chili sauce even though it can also be used to top hot dogs which are called conies mm-hmm. um uh, and then you can also add uh mustard and and uh, chopped onion to the hot dog and cheddar, uh, shredded cheddar cheese as well as a common addition. So um, even though you can get it that way, don't confuse it with a chili dog um, because they are two different beasts for sure. Any other variations either of you uh, want to mention? No, yeah. You, you introduced me even to Cincinnati chili, so got nothing here. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
word from our sponsor. This episode of the SpiceCast is sponsored by Aura Gin. Aura Gin is the only distillery that sources ingredients from locations deemed best by a spiritualist, so you don't have to worry about the implications of your alcohol consumption on your mortal soul. Normal gin is filled with all kinds of demons, ghosts, and ghouls, but you'll find none of that in Origin, just great flavor. And the best part is, without all the beasties, there's no hangover, since everyone knows that a hangover is just supernatural creatures overstaying their welcome. Origin represents the future of fine spirits. David, do you have any uh, experience with Origin? My... my found myself enjoying the vistas of the far realms better after enjoying a sight decanter of origin it allows you to see into the far horizon clearer after trepanning and clearing of the associated material from your third eye it also then allows you to peer into the true wonders of the ultimate martini recommended for those with a spiritual taste in alcohol origin when you enjoy adjectives more than nouns. I could not have asked for a more ringing endorsement. Thank you very much. Origin, spirits for a new age. Thank you to Origin for being a proud sponsor of the SpiceCast. And remember to drink responsibly and respectfully. To a brief history of Chile. Do either of you know where the the first written record of Chile comes from? I do not. I, I would presume Central America. You would be correct. Uh, the first the first record of stews seasoned with chili peppers. Maybe not true chili as we think of it today, um, but the the origins. Uh, comes from 16th, 16th century uh, Aztec Empire, uh, specifically the capital, Tenochtitlan. Um, the word chili itself comes from a similar word in an Aztec language, um, which is uh, spelled, I believe, pretty much the same uh, if you transliterate it. Um, from there, uh, it spread north uh, and the chili that we know and love today was developed somewhere near the uh, Mexican-American border in Texas, although Mexicans, many Mexicans claim that chili is not their dish and it is an abomination, uh, and Texans really embrace it. So um, by that uh, measure, it is believed that um, it was the, the, the tradition of chili was begun in the United States. Um, some interesting facts about the history. During the Mexican-American War, uh, chili was prepared for military consumption by pounding dried beef, dried chili peppers, and salt with uh, beef fat or suet. Um, and then that mixture was formed into bricks and dried. So they, they usually made bricks of about one kilo or so. And then those bricks could be boiled in water to make a, a fairly instant chili. Um, and so that was really popular among 
soldiers uh, in that in that area in that war. So uh, the history of uh, Chile in the in the U.S. military goes back even even that far. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't. I never never knew that. Yeah, and and the idea of making a a brick of something preserved that then can be boiled um, isn't super common nowadays. Um, there are still some places that you can get chili bricks, uh, mostly in Texas, I believe, uh, but. It's not unique to chili. Uh, on the mustard episode, we talked about uh, mustard balls, uh, which were mustard mixed with other spices, usually cinnamon and cloves, uh, as well as flour, um, which were sort of formed into a paste, shaped into balls, and then dried. Um, and then those were added to soups or stews to flavor them, uh, sort of like a like you would do a, a bouillon cube, but with a mustardy flavor. And so I think this this idea of preservation is really, I mean, obviously it's an important part of history and it's a, a really cool um, piece of the culinary puzzle. Have you found anywhere that you can purchase these chili bricks? I'm kind of interested now. Very quick recipe for it. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know, well, a pound of ground beef, whatever, you know, get your, the chili as you choose. Half pound of suet, uh, one cup of flour. So basically, cook it till meat's done. Grind it, add a cup of flour. Basically, make your roux. Uh, stir it in there, and then you have a brick of it. And then to decide to, I guess, add water later. I wonder how well that preserves. Be really interesting yeah. to find out. So uh, moving along in time slightly. Um, there was a group of women in San Antonio, and, and uh, NPR did a really great story about them. Uh, if you are interested in reading more, um, they're no, they were known as the Chili Queens. Um, they were uh, just um, they were women who cooked huge pots of chili, uh, often accompanied with tamales and other foods. Um, and they would serve them just sort of out of makeshift stands in the plazas of San Antonio. And passersby or workers would come and get their, their chili from the Chili Queens. And uh, they were extremely popular and extremely influential to the point that the World's Fair in Chicago in, uh, sorry, in 1893 um, served... San Antonio chili specifically um, from the San Antonio chili stand. Uh, and that allowed many visitors to the World's Fair to taste chili for the very first time because it wasn't uh, particularly widespread outside of Texas at that point. Um, and that's, that's one of the ways that uh, chili was spread across the United States and actually around the world um, was that World's Fair. In the first half of the 20th century, chili parlors were opening up all over Texas, as well as anywhere that Texans moved around the U.S. Um, so the oldest currently operating restaurant in Tennessee, which is called Varallo's, opened as a chili parlor. As a, chili parlor. Um, a, a Texas transplant opened it uh, in 1907. Interesting. This is, a, this is just an aside, but uh, you can actually 
trace this is something I was when I was studying something else, but I found out that uh, Texas is a different style of bowling from the rest of the United States. And you can actually trace how Texans spread in the early part of the 20th century by where they brought their bowling alleys. Which uh, style of bowling is it? Uh, it's not the usual. It's like a. It's close to like the European style. I think I forget. I, I'm not a bowler, so my apologies to people who know they're not. You know, they're nine pins from the ten pins. I'd have to look that up right now. I just was thinking of it because if the Texans like brought their chili with them, I'm wondering if the chili distribution and the restaurants match more or less with the <laughs> bowling alley. Just something for you cultural anthropologists out there. That's just. I have no if idea. You, if you know more about the. Uh, frequency of Texas chili and Texas bowling popping up in the same places, uh, or you'd like to do a research project with the SpiceCast on such a topic, please feel free to contact us. Uh, we are. Po- you can email us at podcast at thespicecast.com or reach I'll out to us. <laughs> or reach out to us on Facebook at the SpiceCast podcast or Twitter at the SpiceCast. We'd love to hear your information we'd also love to hear any uh chili recipes that you that you may have developed uh or special techniques that you use for your chili um we'd be fascinated by that uh and if we if we get any great ones we'll share them on the show i have a brief follow-up we were wondering about chili bricks i guess earlier and i've been scrolling through uh you know the dark forbidden recesses of the internet at best i can tell maybe locally you can still get them or you know like a farmers markets but overall they've been replaced with like that those dry powder mixes i'm sure a bunch of us have seen i see as because that's disappointing easier easier to distribute and probably more you know fda approved to make sure they're you know safe to consume yeah that way so very disappointing nowadays you get (laughs) pre-made chili bricks look the pre-made chili mixes sorry yeah so that um, chili parlor tradition um, of the late 1800s and early 1900s uh, is primarily now associated with Cincinnati chili, um, which is a, a very interesting uh, development, I think. Um, they sort of co-opted that, that sense of we are a restaurant that serves chili. There are certainly still chili parlors in Texas as well as other places, but um, Cincinnati chili is also very strongly associated with that tradition. Um, a, a slight variation on Cincinnati chili that I found is called Green Bay chili, and it is served uh, it most famously out of a restaurant in Green Bay, Wisconsin called Chili John's that opened in 1913. Um, and mm. it is it was uh, founded by a... Uh, an immigrant, I believe, from Eastern or Northern Europe, um, as opposed to the ones from the Mediterranean. Um, so it's similar to Cincinnati chili, but it has a, a few different spice components. In terms of vegetarian chili along the timeline, it's much later. Um, it became popular in the U.S. during the 1960s and 70s, along with, as you would expect, the increase in vegetarians in the United States. Um, in terms of Chili cook-offs, they started becoming extremely popular in Texas around the same time period, um, in the late 60s and early 70s, uh, and eventually they spread to towns across the country and around the world. Um, you can probably find a chili cook-off or a chili competition in some place near you, um, if not your own uh, workplace or town. 
And like I was mentioning earlier, the Chile Appreciation Society International hosts more than uh, 500 official cook-offs per year, which raise over $1 million for charity annually. So that's a pretty cool thing. Wow. And the final historical fact that I have um, is that chili became the state dish of Texas in 1977. Mm-hmm. Nice. Bravo. Bravo, chili. Great job. Yeah. So with that, let's talk a little bit about chili in pop culture. Right, so chili in pop culture, and this is going to be a sort of uh, n- not a full uh, coverage of all chili peppers in pop culture, nor is it going to be necessarily a deep dive into chili, the food in pop culture, but it's just sort of a, a general sampling of things that are called chili, um, chili con carne, uh, and other things related to the word chili in pop culture. So uh, perhaps the most famous chili is uh, the Chili's International Tex-Mex restaurant chain. Many of you may be familiar with it. Um, it was founded in Texas in 1975. And Chili's does indeed serve chili. And it does not contain beans, but it does contain tomatoes, which I found interesting. It is not a pure bowl of red, but it is a uh, it is sort of a, a more Texas style chili. Um, This is uh, local to me, but near and dear to the hearts of many D.C. area residents is Ben's Chili Bowl, um, which was founded in 1958 and is known for its chili dogs. Um, Ben's Chili Bowl became uh, famous um, after the 1968 riots that followed the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., um, because during the riots, it was one of the only businesses in that area um, that was allowed to stay open after curfew. And um, because they were one of the only restaurants open, uh, they were serving police officers, firefighters, and black activists side by side um, in their small restaurant that still uh, to this day looks like it was uh, outfitted with uh, furniture and countertops and everything in the 50s. So um, that is one of the reasons that it is so well loved in this area. Um, And I would encourage anybody who travels to Washington, D.C. in the future, uh, certainly after COVID, uh, to check out Ben's Chili Bowl. If not, um, I mean, the taste is great, um, but if not only for the taste, then for the historical value. Yeah, I remember several late nights in D.C. ending at Ben's Chili Bowl. It's an establishment. It's an institution. It's a, <laughs> a great place. Yeah. I'm going to stand up then for those of us in the Midwest. Uh, the most Please do. Awesome, the most awesomely uh, over-the-top uh, chili experience I've had probably. Uh, there is a, a legendary diner in St. Paul, one of the Twin Cities in Minnesota called Mickey's Diner, which is like the uh, longest, it's, that's a, it's a famous diner. If you've seen like a uh, an actual dining car with like 
neon on it in movies. It's been in movies and stuff. It's probably Mickey. It's been continuously run by the same family since like 1920 or something. And like all the parts, they actually have to hand, they actually have to have somebody like hand mill all the parts for like their ovens and everything because all of the utensils they use, all the kitchen parts they use are no longer made. Mm. And wow. it is the, the lead cook there, the chef, this awesome guy does all of his cooking for this entire it's natural diner, like a little, you know, two thirds of it's taken up by a, like a the little, the bar place we sit at. There's a couple of uh, tables on the on, on the side, and it's very small, very crowded, and delicious old school dining food. And the the guy does the work, does all of his work on this. It can't be more than like three feet by two and a half feet hot plate. Wow. And they use like actual lard to like chunks of lard to like you know get things ready instead of butter or anything mm. and i ordered the uh they have an amazing mulligan stew i'll just say uh first off and everything else great if you like american diner style food i mean it's a classic example of it uh and it's open 24 hours i think it was only closed once when there was a severe storm possibility that a tornado might hit it or something but uh it's an awesome standout place i ordered there i saw they had uh a chili omelet. So I went, well, this should be awesome. So I ordered it. And the guy, like, uh, starts whipping up. Everything's made fresh to order. So he makes his own chili in about 10 minutes. Wow. It's huge, thick. Now, this is a thick. It's uh, chili and potatoes and beans. Not too spicy, but you know, spicy enough. It's a good hearty chili. He takes, like, six omelets into the lard and, like, quickly, like, begins stirring them up. Then plops that into a blender make like a quick blend omelet <laughs> out of everything. I've never, I've never heard of that. <laughs> and poured it all out on this table, so I had this massive, like, five or six egg omelet with this gigantic heaping of chili over it, all for like, you know, eight, ten dollars or something. And I was like, well, this is my cholesterol doom, but it was so good. <laughs> Sounds like uh, a place with a lot of character and oh. uh, some really great food. Like, yeah. Uh, if, you're in, if you're in the Twin Cities, uh, it's right downtown, right near the, uh, I don't go to sporting events, near an arena, damn it. I don't go to sporting events, I have no idea what it's called, but it's Mickey's Diner in downtown uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. So shout out to one of my favorite. Uh... So um, moving away from restaurants and into railroads, the Chili Line was a branch of the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad that ran from Antonito, Colorado to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And the reason it was called the Chili Line, uh, that was not the official name, but one of the major um, uh, freight that it carried was New Mexico chili peppers. And so um, that was one of the ways that New Mexico chili peppers were spread into Colorado and the surrounding regions. And to this day, uh, green chilies and uh, and green chili sauce is very popular uh, in Colorado. And in in a similar uh, sort of time period, but a, a different uh, location. Are, are either of you familiar with the frontiersman Kit Carson? Yep. Well, apparently his last words allegedly uh, were. Wish I had time for just one more bowl of chili, which I think is a sentiment we can all understand. Um, <laughs> that he was he was a true Texan. Here, here. 
<laughs> All right, into sports. Um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Chili Davis. I am not. A baseball player. Um, he is currently a coach. Uh, and I grew up collecting baseball cards, and so I saw a lot, I had a lot of Chili Davis cards. He played in the '80s, where when uh, most of the baseball cards that are out in the wild uh, were produced. Um, and apparently, his his real name is is Charles Davis, um, his given name. But uh, the nickname Chili came from childhood teasing. Um, because neighborhood kids said that his haircut was so bad that it looked like someone had put a chili bowl on his head and then, and then just cut around it. Apparently, he had a, a really bad bowl cut. <laughs> All right, so from sports quickly into the screen, um, there is a British actor, or there was a British actor, uh, known as Chili. Her given name was Dorothy Bouchier, and she uh, appeared in a number of silent films, critically acclaimed silent films, and then uh, made the transition into talkies before uh, finishing her career on the uh, in, in the theater. So uh, she was a very accomplished um, British actor. Um, in terms of films, uh, there is a 1999 French comedy film uh, called Chili con Carne. Uh, as far as I could tell, it involved uncomfortable uh, relationship drama. Uh, I did not read too much into that film. Sounds like many French comedies. <laughs> um, when the movie Cleopatra was filming in Rome in the early 1960s, um, the star of the movie, Elizabeth Taylor, apparently had Chile flown in from Los Angeles every day. And of the places you could fly Chile in from, I guess that's not the worst you could pick, right? I mean, if it's the, her favorite Chile, fine. But. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and probably it was what she was just most comfortable with uh, being living in Hollywood for all those years. Um, but that's, uh, that's some dedication. It, it also... Budget. <laughs> that was also power. That was those days. That was also, in some ways, a power play between absolutely the actors and not just the director, but also the studio, reminding them they're important and they're doing this both to exercise, both because they're a bit of a diva and also especially as a Taylor, but also to, uh, you know, keep the power balance tipsy to run the bait. You can't make this movie about me. You know, I get yep. butt in the seats. So I guess so. Hmm. So in more modern media, um, Klaus Pilgard uh, is also known as Chili Klaus, and we mentioned him on the episode uh, on Super Hot Peppers last uh, month because he is a Danish musician and entertainer who is best known for his interview show in which he invites um, various Danish celebrities, politicians, uh, and others other sort of famous people onto his show and interviews them while, uh, sorry, first they start the show um, by eating a, an extremely hot pepper, something like a ghost pepper, a Carolina Reaper, and th they're encouraged to just bite it whole, um, but just uh, we love eat you. the entire pepper. Yeah, um, eat this ghost pepper. Thanks for being on the show. See you next week. <laughs> uh, 
Exactly. Um, and then the questions are extremely difficult and uh, they tend to be uh, more honest responses, at least in his estimation, uh, because the, the interviewee is sort of high on, on a hot pepper. Um, and I guess the, the, the format is similar to the hot ones, um, show, show that's popular on YouTube in the U S. Um, but Chili Klaus, uh, very eccentric, cool guy. Uh, and you know, worth checking out if you, if you are interested in that kind of content. Um, now in, uh, an, an animated sense, uh, Chili Willy. Uh, which is a great name. I just want to. I just want to take time to point out that that is a that is an awesome name. Um, Chili Willy is a, an anthropomorphic small penguin in the uh, Woody Woodpecker cartoons. Um, I don't. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, but and Chili Willy is awesome. But come on, but that's obviously Chili. You're using homonyms here. You can't use the Chili as in cold. It's just a coincidence that. Yeah, I think that uh, that's pro- that's probably true. I mean, um, bless your heart, Chili Willy, but I mean, that was obviously named because of the cold, not because of the spice. I got, mm-hmm. I got a, got a call, a, a protest vote here. I was lodged to the judges. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I think you could say the same thing about uh, Chili Willy, the professional wrestler. It's probably the cold, not the, uh, not the heat that uh, he's bringing to the to the ring. His real name is William Jones. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, since it's spelled C-H-I-L-L-Y, I'm just going to assume. Probably. Um, Chili, C-H-I-L-I, is the name of one of the Striaton City gym leaders in Pokemon Black and White. Um, they're all named after various spices. I believe one of them is uh, something to do with cilantro or coriander, um, but uh, Chili is the one that has a fire-type Pokemon Um it's and still they pick one of the most baffling post-apocalyptic settings ever, the Pokemon world. Like, <laughs> son, go out, fight other people to find small aliens and put them in this magic ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do. We do what we must to entertain ourselves. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just observing. I speak. You can tell I had not played a lot of Pokemon myself. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the interesting thing about the that particular gym is that they have three gym leaders and they're triplets in um, Pokemon Black and White, okay. um, and each one of them has a different special Pokemon that's unique to that region, um, and the, the uh, gym leader that you fight in that gym is the one that has the Pokemon that is best against the starter that you've chosen, oh, so it's, it's the most difficult challenge. <laughs> So I don't think I ever fought against Chili um, in that game because I, I think I picked the uh, water type Pokemon. So I, I was facing the grass type um, uh, gym leader. Okay, uh, a little bit off topic there, but uh, now back to Chili in literature. Um, so the... There is a mystery novel by Nancy Picard called The 27 Ingredient Chili Con Carne Murders, uh, which I think is a pretty, uh, I guess, descriptive name of what happens in the novel. 
Um, I don't know the ending. I won't ruin it for anybody. Uh, but in the novel, uh, the main character cooks up a really nice batch of chili and then serves it. And then some of the people who eat it are found dead. Uh, and she has to figure out how that happened and uh, who poisoned her chili. Should be noted, uh, a lot of these, um, uh, I'm a mystery fan. Uh, Nancy Picard is an uh, extremely uh, well-honored writer in that genre. Uh, four Agatha Awards, Anthony Awards, these mean nothing to most people. Uh, five McCavity Awards. So uh, th this is a woman who writes a lot of mysteries and a, a theme in a lot of modern mysteries, especially since paperback publishing came out, is you get a certain idea. Like maybe you've seen the alphabet ones, you know, A is for whatever, B is for whatever. I have, yeah. And uh, that uh, Con Karn mystery, which I read years ago and forgot everything about it, but uh, she has a whole bunch of uh, basically kitchen cooking themed murders in which a, a chef solves stuff. So part mm -hmm. of the same series as the Blue Corn murders, the secret ingredient murders. Yes, I think the Blue Corn is the second in the series. That could be. I'm not aware of the... Uh, I and I, I, based on my very minimal reading about the the book, I think she continued that series from another writer. Oh, could be. Um, and uh, so you know, good pedigree there. Um, in terms of other novels, um, I don't know if either of you have read this book. I have not, or seen the movie. I also have not. Um, Get Shorty. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Elmore Leonard is uh, one of the great American uh, stylistic writers. Started in westerns and then moved over to uh, took the same kind of poppy, in-your-face kind of. I don't know. I want to kind of call him the, the the Quentin Tarantino of like western writing, even though he was doing that like back in the '60s. And from there, he kind of entered the uh, uh, observational kind of wry slice of life, because uh, he lived in Florida, uh, kind of a low-life Florida mob stories uh brilliant writer and uh that was a really great movie adaptation so so uh the main character is named yeah. chili yes so that yes. that was the connection there yep um however i don't know if you've seen this one but the recent tv series of the same name does not feature chili as the main character yeah um, in the world of comics, uh, there is a Marvel character named Chili Storm. Um, she began as the friendly nemesis, they described it, uh, of, of Millie, uh, the title character of Millie the Model. Um, and then she, Chili was spun off into her own series, which was called Chili. I have not read those, but... Um, be interested to check them out or, or uh, if you have certainly write to us podcast at the spicecast.com um, in terms of music uh, Rosanda Thomas uh, who is known as Chili uh, she's a current member of the group TLC um, one of the great girl groups of the 90s and 2000s um, interestingly she only got that nickname when she joined TLC, uh, she replaced Crystal Jones, who was the C of the band, TLC. Um, and so they needed to keep the initialism. So she was she had to get a, a C name. And so they, they nicknamed her Chili. 
Um, spelled slightly differently, but C-H-I-L-L-Y was a German disco rock band um, who are best known for their... I couldn't really figure out whether it was a cover or a remix or something of, of the Yardbirds' 1965 song, For Your Love. Um, and they made like a like an 13 or 18 minute version that played in disco clubs and it was very popular for a few years. This one I really was not familiar with. Um, Chili con carne is a, a song by the Swedish acapella group The Real Group. Um, and apparently it has sort of a, a cult following among some vocal groups worldwide. Um, uh, there were a lot of stories I read of like youth vocal groups that covered this song. It's kind of a silly song and I, I couldn't find a lot of information on this, but I believe there is also a Korean meme based off of the song um, that is very or somewhat popular in, in Korean pop culture. Uh, but again, I was unable to find more information about that. But if uh, anybody knows more, we'd love to hear about it. That's an old jazz... Uh can't quite call it a standard but that's that, that's just an old uh old jazz piece way back from the early part of the 20th century anyway. oh is it it's a sort of a traditional yeah. song uh I wouldn't, yeah i wouldn't call it traditional but it's definitely some of the like i think i mentioned earlier in the show you have a bunch of the jazz music not about you know there's a significant amount dealing with food tamales hot tamales spices peppers and stuff Double entendres, obviously, with the sex being offered at the old at the, right. uh, establishments they were working for. But uh, also probably the musicians repping their favorite uh, street vendors. So I didn't realize that song was older than that group. Uh, as far as I, I, I looked them up, actually, because I wasn't, but it's the, uh, that looks very much like, I have not heard it because I'm doing this right now, but it looks like a, uh, a, pop, a pop jazz version of a, Old standard chili con carne. Oh, cool. Um, okay, so in the song, Everybody Eats When They Come to My House, um, going more into jazz, I guess, by legendary jazz singer Cab Calloway. Um, Calloway is rhyming foods he's going to be serving to his guests with the names of those guests. Um, so he rhymes chili con carne with Barney. Uh, so he, he's going to be serving chili con carne for Barney. Yeah. Um, chili con carne is also mentioned in Nat King Cole's song, Let There Be Love, which uh, was also covered by his daughter, Natalie Cole. Uh, and both of those versions are pretty awesome. And I would recommend that you uh, check them out if you're into um, that sort of music. Uh, the final thing that I have is about place names. Um, and Chile is the number, uh, the name of a number of towns and communities, uh, across the United States. Most of them are unincorporated census districts. Um, but there is one that I am very familiar with. It is not Chile, but Chile, C-H-I-L-I, New York. Um, and it is a suburb of Rochester, New York, which is, uh, right near where I went to university. So, um, I don't know for sure why they pronounce it Chile rather than Chile, uh, but I think they are very proud of the fact that they don't live in Chile. They live in Chile, and they're very quick to correct you if you call their town Chile. <laughs> so 
if you ever like, go there, be aware of it. It's not pronounced Cairo. I always get it. There's like that Cairo or whatever in K- uh, Cairo. Cairo, yes. Yeah, it's spelled yeah. with Cairo, but it's Cairo. It's Indiana. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, um, Chilai, New York. Um, there are also three Romanian towns named. I don't know how to pronounce it, but C-H-I-L-I-I, as well as a number of French communes named C-H-I-L-L-Y. Judges, I don't have to to invoke the uh, chili willy here. I I don't think we can. I'm not pronouncing them, so. uh... (laughs) And you're doing a better job at not pronouncing them than I am, I I assure you. (laughs) Barely man my own accent, so. But I, I can't think those are linked in any way with the chili dish. It's interesting, but I I'm not sure. Um, I I wouldn't imagine they would be. No. I just don't and, want people getting the wrong impression. They can go to like this chili in French, in France, <laughs> a large bowl of red. Although it, it, you know maybe they can. But. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what you can find in terms of food on a French commune, um, but I I wouldn't be surprised if there were some great culinary minds cooking up awesome chili in France. <laughs> sure, there are. I'm just. <laughs> no. I'm to I, I would tend I would tend to agree with you. All right. Um, any other pop cultural references to chili that either of you wanted to bring up or final thoughts you had? I don't think I have anything. Well, I, I wanted to thank you both for um, joining me on this chili filled episode of the Spice cast. Um, thank you, David. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, being able to come back on the show again. I, I, I appreciated everything I learned and uh, being a part of your cool podcast here. Well, it wouldn't be the same without our wonderful guests. So thank you both for bringing your knowledge and your enthusiasm about chili um, to the show. All right. Well, with that, then I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Thank you again for listening, and thank you to both of our guests for joining me on episode 14, Chili, of the SpiceCast. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out at podcast at thespicecast.com or at the SpiceCast on Twitter uh, or at the SpiceCast podcast on Facebook. Um, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Chili or anything else Uh, you may be thinking about in terms of spices. Um, If you have not already, please review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever uh, podcast platform you use. Uh, We would really appreciate that. Uh, And other than that, I will be signing off. I've been your host, Ruben, with episode 14 of the SpiceCast, Chili. See you next time. My father growing up in uh, North Dakota in the night, just after the Great Depression, told me uh, what he called farmer's gum. If you're out working the fields trying to get stuff in, as a young kid, they would just capture grasshoppers, mix them with like 
the wheat dust on their hands, like make a gum, he says, that was juicy and would last you at least a couple hours. Wow. Not something I've ever heard of before. <laughs> so thanks, Ed. There's your official farmer recipe for grasshopper gum. Okay. <laughs> wheat, wheat germ and fresh grasshopper. <laughs>